Also want to dedicate this to the Neshama of Maras. Silvia Necha Bas Roberto just passed away. Neshama she entered Gan Eden. She got the better and going to sing the behalf of her family for all good b'sichsech al Yisrael. What's the meaning of a bad mood? Are we going to get into a bad mood? I'm not talking about a an idea that you have, a false idea, something which, which you shouldn't think about, or some negative thoughts you shouldn't entertain. I'm talking about a mood. You have a certain mood. What's the point of having that mood where you just don't want to do good things? You're just, you're just not in the mood of doing anything positive. What's, what's the point of that? Everyone's looking at me like, and I just put them in a bad mood. Don't worry, this is not a bad mood. This is just a way to uh, hopefully have a perspective for those other, other harder moments. This week, you read about the two wives, the beloved wife and the hated wife. Torah says this man is married to two women. One, the first wife is beloved. The second wife is hated. And the Torah says that if the hated wife, the wife he does not like, has an offspring, has a child first, so halacha is, you're not allowed to ignore the hated wife's offspring. You have to give the rightful uh, possession of the firstborn, the Torah says the firstborn gets a double portion, you have to give this rightful portion to the firstborn son of the hated wife. Which brings us to many other questions. Number one, first of all, why do our feelings all of a sudden matter over here? Throughout the entire Torah, we have, we're given many, many instructions. And Torah doesn't really tell us, oh, if you're not in the mood of matzah, don't have matzah. If you're not in the mood of fasting in Yom Kippur, you don't have to fast in Yom Kippur. Moods don't really make a difference how you feel. You hate her, you love her. Halacha, as Ramam says, Naimani says, something which is eternal in all places, in all times, never be changed. And all of a sudden over here, the Torah has to tell us, you should know, the rules stay the same, whether the wife is beloved or the wife is hated. Another question is, the Torah says first the beloved wife, and then it says the hated wife. So, it sounds like, who was when you married first? First you married the beloved wife, and then you married the hated wife. First you married the one you love, and then, then you married someone you didn't like so much. So who would naturally have a child first? On the surface, if you married one woman first, one woman, woman second, the, the one who first mother a child will be the one you, or you married first. But here the Torah says you married the beloved wife first, you married the hated wife second, and yet the hated wife has a child first. That could happen, but that's an anomaly. If the Torah wants to say a situation where the hated wife is having a child first, the Torah should have said, you married a hated wife and a beloved wife, and the hated wife was, gave birth first. Why does the Torah present this situation in a way where the, it, it, it's a paradox? The beloved wife, you marry first. The hated wife, you marry second. And yet the hated wife, the wife you don't like, she has a child first. Why does the Torah present this situation in a way that, that seems... Um, there should have been the, the beloved wife because the hated wife has, has the firstborn. Why does the hated wife have the firstborn? So there is, there is a saying in the name of the Vilna Goyen. I don't know if this is actually accurate because many, many commentaries prove that this, this, this is something that is unlikely the Vilna Goyen said because there's many factual, seemingly inaccuracies with the statement. Seemingly, it's not so simple. The, the Vilna Goyen's interpretation is like this that the hated wife and the, and the beloved wife was a scenario like this, that the hated wife uh, conceived first, 
and the beloved wife gave birth first. So you might think you should go by the child who was born first, and therefore you should give the, uh, the double portion to the child of the beloved wife. So the Torah says, even though the beloved child was born first, since the hated wife's child was conceived first, you have to give the firstborn right to the child, oh, to, the, to the child of the hated wife, the wife you don't like. That's what, that's what people say, that the Vilna Goyen say. The problem that Nitziv has with this interpretation is, and Nitziv says, one second, Yaakov and Esau. Who was conceived first? Yaakov and Esau. Yaakov was conceived first, the Torah says, and yet Esau was born first. Who is the firstborn? Esau is the firstborn. If it goes by conception, then Yaakov should have been the firstborn. So clearly, even if the baby is conceived first, it still does not have the firstborn right. And therefore, what the Vilna Gaon is saying, if that's true, it doesn't seem to fit with what we know earlier on in the Torah. In general, it's a good thing to know that when writing a will, which by the way is a good thing to do, the Rebbe said that writing a will, that's what the Rebbe said, it says in earlier um, commentaries in the Halacha, that writing a will is a blessing for a long life. Writing a will, how do you have a blessing for a long life? You make it write a will. The Rebbe wrote his will after the passing of Rebbe Sinchai Mushka, and uh, it's, a, it's a blessing to have a long life, to write, to write a will. So when writing a will, there are a lot of halachic considerations to uh, be aware of. For example, the law of giving a right to the firstborn child, the double portion is supposed to go to the firstborn child. Halacha says that you can't really ignore the firstborn child, you can't change things around. The firstborn child has to be given double, double portion. What you could do is, you could divide your estate while you're alive, that you could do, but if whatever you're going to, to, to determine that should happen after your passing, in that scenario, it, um, it won't take effect. In fact, Maimonides says it's a biblical commandment not to change the right of the firstborn. Nachmanides says it is a violation of the Torah if you, if you insult the firstborn. And not only, is it, not only are you violating the Torah, it won't work anyways because the Torah gives, them, gives, gives the firstborn child the right to the double inheritance and therefore it won't work anyways. Uh, so it's a, so we're, there, is, there are different ways to create a will in a way that you want to create the will. However, um, many people are careful at least to recognize in some way the firstborn, even if they use some kind of halachic uh, tools, halachic, halachic legal um, mechanism to allow giving the firstborn right to the uh, second or third child, they still, in some, in some items, let's say, whatever, you're giving, you're giving away your money, you're giving away your books, you're giving away different family heirlooms, whatever it is, so to somehow recognize the firstborn child to give them more than the, than the other children. But the question, though, is what does it mean over here? What's the meaning of the firstborn child being the child of the hated wife? What does this mean for us? Because everything in the Torah is a message for us in our life. The Torah is called the Torah of light, the Torah of truth. What does that have to do with us? What are we supposed to learn from this whole story of the firstborn and the secondborn, the beloved wife and the hated wife? What does that have to do with us? So we're now deep in the middle of El. And El is a time we know the king is in the field. And Hashem is especially receptive to us accepts us in Shuva, accepts us. He, as Altarba says, he greets everyone with a beautiful face and shows everyone a smiling face. Hashem accepts us where we are. And the language of the Altarba is the king is in the field. Why the field? Why the king want to go to a field? The surface, the king wants to go to the field. Like Shemba Yochoi says about Hashem, that Hashem, who has a, just like a, a, a groom, if his bride is in a tannery, he doesn't care if the bride's in a tannery, he'll go there to a place with a foul stench that's where his bride is. So to Hashem doesn't care 
where we are. Oh, Shkayach. She doesn't care where we are. And can I have a little Alex? have a little. Hashem doesn't care where we are. Even if we're in a field, Hashem goes there anyways, even though he's the king and he could go to, to you know, and he could go to Switzerland, to the Alps and have great vacations over there. But he leaves it all. Thank you. So even though the, the king could go anywhere, he chooses to go specifically to the place, to the field, because that's where we are. That's, that's the simple understanding of the king going to the field. But it seems like that there's something about the people of the field he likes more. He leaves the people in the city, he has people in the city too. He has everybody, he has people in the city, people in the field. And he specifically wants to go out to people in the field. What does that mean? To understand this, let's first understand the meaning of beloved wife and hated wife in our lives. It says that God is compared to a groom and we're compared to a bride. And King Solomon says there's a time to hate and a time to love. When's the time to uh, love? Time the base niche was standing. Time we're offering sacrifices to Hashem. The time that the Jewish people are in the temple and everything is exactly the way you know things are meant to be. That's a time of love. The Torah says, just like we look in the water, you see a reflection of your face, so do the feelings of your heart reflect in the heart of another. Big parentheses, important parentheses. Never says it doesn't mean that if you see someone is lousy to you, you should be lousy to them. What it means is the opposite. That if you see someone is, is, is not uh, responding to you with kindness, so that means you should show them more obviously so. Show them more love. Anyways, that was a big parenthesis, but an important one. And the parenthesis. So since the time of the temple, we were estranged. We were not interested. We served other gods. We went after idols. And so that caused, and it caused also a distance from Hashem to us. That caused a time of hate. We were, so to speak, at a time of hate from Hashem. And that caused... Hashem, so to speak, also to be in a state of separation from us. That's the simple meaning of a time of love and time of hate. The problem with this is, because the Machzadik asks, it says in the Torah, Hashem tells us, draw me after you, we tell Hashem, draw me after you and we will run, the king should bring me into his chamber. Whereas another Prophet says, Hashem tells us, I have loved you with an everlasting love, and that's why I have drawn you to me with kindness. And the Talmud explains, you might think that my love is an avarabah. You might think my love is a big love, an infatuation, and it's exciting. And for five years I love you, for ten years I love you, for twenty years I love you, and then the love stops. You might think it's like that kind of love. It goes and it stops, it goes and it stops. Therefore the Torah says, love is forever, and love never stops. So how can we say the time of, of the destruction of the base of Migdash is a time of estrangement, a time of hate, when Hashem tells us, I love you forever. There's no such thing as Hashem stopping His love for us. Abbas nothing could ever detract one iota of Hashem's love for us. So what do we mean? There's a time to hate. What does that mean? And further, it says in the Pasuk, From a distance Hashem appears to me, the Pasuk says. And specifically, that when we're at a time of distance, that Hashem reaches out to us and brings us closer, that the King draws me into His chamber when? When I'm far away. When I'm far away, then Hashem brings me even closer. So, the Medrash actually says that there are more tzaddikim around in the time after the Beis Nish was destroyed than when the Beis Nish was standing. There's a time Beis Nish was standing, there are all kinds of, kinds of lousy people like this king and that king, and there are all kinds of sins. And when the Beis Nish is destroyed, all of a sudden you have Daniel, you have Mordechai, more tzaddikim after the Beis Nish is destroyed. There's more tzaddikim happening. As it says in the Torah, Ki Rabbis Nishim Meimah Meibu'ulam Rashem. 
there's more children, there's more tzaddikim which are born specifically at the time of hate, specifically at the time of distance. So what does the Torah tell us? Tell us yeah, there's a time of hate, a time of distance. However, Hashem says, who is the one who, give, who gives birth to the firstborn child? It's specifically the Ben Hasnuah. It's specifically the Jew who is living at a time of hatred, at a time of distance. Because Hashem doesn't let go of us in, time of, in a time of distance. The contrary, the Reishas Oinai. Reishas Oinai means the whole point. Hashem's biggest, deepest satisfaction is specifically when a Jew turns to him in a place of separation, in a place of, of where he's disenfranchised, not interested, and he still turns to Hashem anyways, despite the coldness, despite the darkness, and he still turns to Hashem anyways, that Hashem is racist, and that's the firstborn. That's the greatest satisfaction Hashem has. There is a satisfaction Hashem has from Tzadikim. Hashem has from the time of Beis HaMikdash. But Reish what is the firstborn? But Yeman Chile Yazbana. The Alter says this. It's not just the Beis HaMikdash time versus the time of the destruction. The Alter says there are some Neshamas, some souls, which are beloved souls. Beloved souls. Holy souls. They can pinch their cheeks. They're wonderful, good souls. They're always doing the right thing. Their version of Yetzir Hara is like chocolate, you know. That's, that's their version of Yetzir Hara. That's one kind of soul. Then there is another kind of soul who's Ben Asnuah. Ben As, uh, Isha Asnuah, which means a person has a lot of things in them that he shouldn't, he's attracted to, he knows he shouldn't be attracted to. And he gets into involved lots of things he shouldn't be involved in. And he looks at himself and he hates himself. He hates himself. Why does he hate himself? He comes into shul and everyone's davening and he feels, I'm the guy who doesn't belong here. Everyone else belongs here, they're sincere and they mean it. And mm-hmm. I'm hated. I, what do you mean I'm hated? Mm-hmm. I hate myself. I hate myself being the way I am, that I have all these urges and, 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 and attractions mm-hmm. and things I shouldn't have. So, I'm, so that's Isha Snua. That even within ourselves, we have, they have some souls which are tzaddikim and some souls which are hated. They look at themselves and they say they're false. Further, in ourselves itself, there are times like right now, right now we're sitting together, we're learning together, you know, it's a time of love, or time we're focusing on Hashem, a time we're focusing on the right things. Then there's other times, other times that we're not focusing on the right things, we're focusing on other things, we're focusing on the mundane, we're focusing on things which are insignificant and unimportant, and things which leave much to be desired. So what does the say? On the day that Hashem gives us the inheritance, which means the time of the coming Mashiach, the Alter Rebbe says these words. Hear this, Alex. The Alter Rebbe says, The Neshamis of Sadiqim cannot bring Mashiach. The Neshamis of the beloved wife cannot bring Mashiach. Only the Neshamis of the hated wife, of those who are in a state of have hatred to themselves because of all the things that they're into, they're not proud of, only those kinds of souls are able to bring Mashiach. Everyone who contributes to bring the Mashiach. But the critical moves of creating the light out of the darkness, which is needed for Mashiach to come, those souls can do it. There are, that's what we find by Yaakov. Yaakov has two wives, right? He has a beloved wife, Rachel, not such a beloved wife, Leah. The Torah uses the word, the hated wife. But others uh, say that, other, some commentaries say that she wasn't hated, she doesn't love Rachel more. But why does the Torah use the word hated? What's the meaning of the word hated? So one interpretation is like this. Leah, we know, she always she was crying a lot. Why was she crying a lot? She said, people say, the older daughter of, Yitz, of um, Lavan is going to marry the older son of Yitzchak. Who is the older son of Yitzchak? Esav. I'm destined to marry Esav. And the younger uh, son of Yitzchak, Yaakov, will marry the younger daughter of Lavan. will marry Rachel. So Rachel in Hebrew is, <coughs> means a sheep. 
A sheep is very docile, very good-mannered animal. You could shave its head off, no problem. It's quiet about it, doesn't, doesn't care. A sheep, the word sheep in Hebrew is not equivalent to the words, let there be light. Rachel equals yihi or let there be light. So a sheep is a wonderful, beautiful animal that represents a tzaddik. Rachel, her service of Hashem, represents a person who has no interest of anything negative. Lay, on the other hand, comes from the word tired. The Torah uses the words, Kinilu Mitzrayim l'shteis ma'iman menayir. The Mitzrayim, the Egyptians, were trying very hard to find water during the plague of blood, and they gave up, they gave up. So Leah cried a lot. Why did she cry a lot? It wasn't only that she cried a lot because she heard she was destined to marry Esau. Why was she destined to marry Esau? Just because she was born first? It's because she had the ability to affect Esau. Why did she have the ability to affect Esau? Because it, we find this in today as well. You know, if someone has an addiction, what do they say? Who could help me? Only a fellow addict, AA. In order to participate in AA and to inspire someone who has addiction, you have to be an addict yourself. You don't have an addiction, you're not welcome. Achman al-San, someone who loses a child, who is the first one to go into comfort someone who loses a child? Someone else lost a child, Achman al-San. They know what it means. Achman al-San, no one should know. But because they know, because they feel, because they've been there, they're the ones who are able to, to encourage someone who's in that state. In a similar way, Leah, she had in herself, according to this interpretation, she had in herself something she hated about herself. She had stuff in, her, in herself, that she, she fought with it, she fought with it. And that's why she was able to be the marriage, to, to, to affect and to, and to change in Asa. And that's what the Torah is telling us over here about um, the offspring of the hated wife. Who was the mother of Mashiach? Rachel has amazing children. But the mother of Mashiach, the mother, the grandmother of Mashiach is late. Mashiach is only born from a scenario where of darkness, of confusion, of, of complexity, where there is a, where there, there is attraction to the wrong thing, you're in a bad mood, and you don't want to do it, and you, in ourselves as well. There are days, you know, you come to shul, and you hear the nigger in the background, you're zippity yuda, you want to daven, you want to learn, you want to give, you're excited, right? And other days you're like, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? Or as this Jew, you know, you know Tanchum, uh, Tanchum Levin? Tanchum Levin was a beautiful Jew, lived in LA, he was an American style hustler. Beautiful Jew. Oh, you know Tanchum. Yeah. Tanchum, every morning, he would taunt the Abishter. He, he and the Abishter had this conversation. Can you know Tanchum? Tanchum Levin? Tanchum Levin, <laughs> he would say to Hashem, I don't want to dive in. I don't want to daven. And he would like, like, but then, you know what he would do? He would sit down and he would daven. He would daven for hours. And he would cry and cry and cry with his whole, whole lots of anafesh, his whole soul. I remember one year, it was Yutas Kislev, was Shabbos, and Tanchum was, it was Friday morning, and Tanchum, he says to Hashem, Shabbos is coming, Yutas Kislev is coming, and I don't want to daven. <laughs> That's the, the meaning the Torah is telling us over here about, about Leah, about the hated wife, about the, about the hated moments in herself. Rabbi Shabbat Savitsky, he uh, had a very close uh, friend who used to come to his Chabad center all the time. And he has this, this, this man as a record. You know, the Rebbe gave out thousands and thousands of dollars every Sunday. And this man has a record that the Rebbe didn't give him a dollar. What, what happened? This man. He didn't look at, at Reb Shabtai in the eyes. Everyone else looked at him in the eyes, but this guy, he always looked away. So 
One day he sits down with him and says, what's going on? What's bothering you? He told him that he is attracted to this non-Jewish woman, but he knows for sure it's his soulmate. He knows for sure. And, uh, he, doesn't, and he doesn't feel good about it because she knows she's not Jewish, so what is he doing to do about it? So at that time of the year, it was, in, it was sometime in, in Kislev, before Kislev actually, and he was going to New York for the, for the International Conference of Chabad Rabbis. So he told the guy, I'm going to New York, you need to go to the Rebbe. Come with, I'm going to the Rebbe now, come with me to the Rebbe. So they went together to the Rebbe. The Rebbe is giving out dollars. It's his turn, he's not able to say anything, he's too emotional. The Rebbe gives him the dollar, that doesn't let go. Doesn't let go. Doesn't, doesn't let go. Doesn't. So usually with Goner, you know, he will push you aside if you want to say another word to the Rebbe, right? But here, the Rebbe's not letting go. Finally, he calms down and he, and he starts to tell the Rebbe what's, what's going on. And Rebbe said the most unexpected thing, the most fascinating thing to him. Rebbe said to him, I'm jealous of you. I'm jealous of you. Rebbe said that every time Hashem gives a person a challenge, the purpose of the challenge is to lift up the person to a higher place than he was before. Rebbe said, I never had challenges like the challenges you're describing. That means Hashem is bringing you to a place that I can never reach, and therefore I'm jealous of you. And that's what the Torah wants us to know in the month of Eli. That it's not that Hashem also goes to the field. It's that Hashem specifically has a unique satisfaction from the Jews of the field. From the Jews who have attraction to the wrong things, and doing the wrong things, and yet, despite all the, the bad moods and, and whatever, and we still hold on, we do what Hashem wants, that's something deeper. That's gracious that's, that's, that's the whole point. That's the Abish's deepest satisfaction, and that's what creates Mashiach. Mashiach cannot come from Sadiqim. It needs specifically those who have the field-like tendencies to create Mashiach. And the people of Chelm had this question, very important question, the wise men of Chelm. The question was, what gives off more light, the sun or the moon? We're discussing this for days and weeks and months and years. After a couple of years, they came to the conclusion. The conclusion was that the moon gives off more light. Why? Because the sun shines during the day. What's the big deal to shine during the day? But the moon gives off light at night. That's a kunz. That's something which is unique. L'chaim L'chaim should realize how precious each of us is in the eyes of the Abish. We show us how precious our bad moods are, and specifically when we don't want to do and we, and we do anyways. Now that creates racial saying, that creates a great that creates satisfaction of the Mashiach. Specifically the, the stone which doesn't fit anywhere. That's what creates the crown jewel and, the, and finishes the base of Migdash, finishes the Yul. That moment in your life where you I don't want to, I'm not interested, and you do it anyways. That's, that's, that's what makes it happen. That's, that's, that's what saying. That's the saying. Oh, that explains why it says the firstborn son of, of the hated wife and the first, before the, um, the hated wife is mentioned after the beloved wife. Why? The beloved wife refers to the time of the Beis HaMikdash. The Beis HaMikdash, when we were beloved in the eyes of Hashem on the surface mm-hmm. because, because it was a time of love, a time of romance. And the hated wife refers to the time after the Beis HaMikdash is destroyed. And so to ourselves, perhaps... The beloved wife refers to a time when we're younger, we're innocent, we're, we're idealistic. And then there's a time we get a little bit uh, you know, confused by stuff that hits you in the head. So the terrorist says, you should know, Geula is specifically creating the light in the place, in the time, in the mood. You know, just, that's, that's what makes it happen. Yes. Chaim, Chaim, Rav. Your side. Oh, 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 no, no. One time, play, I hate this. 
Rabbi Dezi told him exactly what you said. He says, I'm jealous of you. He says, look at you. You're here still. I have been a kid. I'm jealous of you. I'm jealous of you. I'm jealous of you.